from the great, the great Pelican State. Welcome to What Makes Me Weird with Joel Sharpton. I'm your host, Joel Sharpton. You can find me on Twitter at The Rogues Life or on my website, joelsharpton.com, or right back here every week, or almost every week, we missed one last week, with a new episode of this podcast. What we do here is we talk to a different guest about their passion for their art form, their industry, or their hobby that sets them apart, that makes them weird compared to everybody else. Uh, This week, it's a little bit of a different thing because we're going to talk about what makes me weird, maybe, and what makes my guest weird as well. I am joined in the studio uh, by Josh Shirley, the co-host of my other podcast, Always Listening. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic, although I'm a little worried about doing this show. Yeah, you've never done this. We haven't done one before. Right, I haven't done it, but I listened to it. I'm not going to say every episode because that would just be a lie, but this show is pretty much interview style where on our show, while you may do a lot of the heavy lifting... These fingers crossed paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well? Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco. I still have a lot of work I have to do there, right? Uh, and the way that you have this show set up is generally it's conversation sparked by your interview style, your questions that you're asking. Right. Right. And I hope this still falls into that same vein for this episode. And I'm worried that it may not work out that way. I, I think this one might be a little bit more conversational than the average episode that we do. But I I still don't know that much about the topic. So I think it's going to be more interview style than you might imagine. What is our topic today? We're going to be talking about Destiny. The video game from Bungie is the name of the software company. They're the folks behind Halo and Marathon back in the day if you were a Mac user. They've they've done a lot of stuff. Bungie is their latest uh massive video game it's uh, out destiny. available i'm sorry what did i say bungie, bungie yeah. yeah destiny is their latest video game it's available on ps4 ps3 xbox 360 xbox one yep. pc can you play it on I don't pc think, i don't think you played on pc i don't think you can either and of course the the latest addition to this is the expansion pack destiny the taken king that's the one that just came out pretty recently i think um what halfway through september about a month ago yeah so um you've been playing this now for how long josh over a year. And did you start on the Xbox 360 or did you start with your Xbox One? No, purchase? I started – I bought an Xbox One just to play this game on it. Is it like significantly better on the Xbox One or the PS4 than it is on the older – Couldn't tell you. I never played it on 360. <laughs> so why did you why did you get the Xbox One then to play? Why not <clears throat> well, just play it on your old system? Okay, so Destiny has a 10-year plan and I didn't – want to have to go from playing 360 for a year or a year and a half and then switch over to an Xbox One and have to do a lot of things over again. So I just decided to start with the Xbox One and and go from there because I'm probably going to, before the Xbox whatever comes out again in in however many years, uh, I will feel like I have gotten a lot of gameplay out of my current situation. Well, and you would also imagine like – Switching, let's say you'd played Xbox 360 for a year or two and just now you were going to move up to the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. There's no 
there's no way to move your characters. Well, over. it's not really there- that. So the biggest one of the biggest deterrents for me just playing it on the 360 was if I am a 360 player, I cannot play with Xbox One players. If I'm a PS3 player, I can't play with a PS4 player. Ah, um, okay. And this game takes uh, there's there's aspects of the game that take a lot of teamwork. So I didn't want to be the guy left behind and not be able to put a full team together because I wasn't with the rest of my friends. So for those that don't know anything about the game, and I feel like actually maybe a lot of our listeners are, are not going to know that much about the game, it is a, would you describe it as a first-person shooter? Yeah, it is a first-person shooter. So it's kind of like if you took, uh, so if you ever played Halo, right, so you kind of have that concept of space uh, missions going on. So it is as if uh, Halo and let's say World of Warcraft had a bastard child, it would be Destiny. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good description. So um, it is a, it's also not only a first-person shooter, but it's a massively multiplayer online game. Yeah, yeah. So there are... To an extent. Yeah, to an extent. Yeah. And and this is something that I, I had a little bit of uh, trouble wrapping my mind around because, you know, you're talking to me about how many millions of people are playing this game right now. But whenever I logged into the game and played it for the first time, there weren't millions of people on my server. There were... Some people on my server, as I'm walking through the world, I'm running into some actual live players. But um, the way that they divide it out, it's a little bit more sparse than that. Yeah, you can't put – I mean, how many people can you put on one server before that server is going slow or crashing or – Yeah, overloaded. The vast majority of this game, you play in a team, right? This is, where it gets, this is where it gets tricky. You can, yes. But, but you can play a, a large portion of it all by yourself? You can play a large portion of all uh, of it all by yourself. In fact, you can play um, you can play all of really PvP uh, by yourself, which is player versus player. And for Destiny, that's in the Crucible. But the but the story mode, the, the story mode, you can get through the whole story mode by yourself. Really? Yes. All right. Well, I, uh, you can if you're any good at video games, because uh, I could not. <laughs> uh, so so let's let's back it up a little bit and talk about our our video game history. Before this, first person shooters a thing that you played a lot of. Um, I think the first one I played was Doom, maybe. I think that's most people's first, Doom or Duke Nukem. Um, and then I moved into GoldenEye. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then onto Halo. And then I started getting into my college years and kind of just stopped playing video games altogether. So, but now you're you're an older man. You're settled. You got some free time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in a good place. You got uh, some money, too, to spend on yeah, these video games. Yeah, I decided to... Uh, <laughs> I just needed a I needed a, a hobby. I needed something uh, to do uh, to keep my interest um, other than work. Right. Um, so yeah, I got into um, playing Destiny. So I I think Goldeneye or actually its sequel, I suppose, Perfect Dark, which were both uh, originally available on the Nintendo sixty four. I think those were really the last times that I played any serious. First-person shooters. Well, the, well, the great thing about Goldeneye is you could play with four of your friends all in the same room, and that like that's really what the the draw to that game was. Like that made it fantastic. Like you get to play with with four of your buddies and kill each other and and uh, find out who's better and all those wonderful things with it. And now you take that kind of concept and you can expand it now globally. You know, because of the internet. You know, thank God for that. Um, to where you can play with with people all around the world, um, and and create those kind of relationships and create that community uh, inside the game. So, 
I'm, here's what I'm going to do. It, and funnily, funnily enough, uh, this week on our other podcast, Always Listening, we're reviewing uh, James Bonding. And to start that episode, uh, you sort of gave a little preview of your James Bond knowledge yeah, before my, you started yeah. listening to yeah, the podcast. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to tell you the story of Destiny. Okay. And you tell me how much I get right. This, this is based on what you've told me, what I've heard from a couple of other people, and then like – what, I played it three well, hours, I guess, the other day? Yeah, but here's something in, important to remember. So this is a game that, um, a, a, to me at least, a lot of the, the mythos of the game is created by the players, uh, which is fantastic. So in year one, yeah, there's some storyline, and they get, they, they've they gotten better and better and better at it as the players have kind of voiced their opinions Right. What they we, like and what they don't right. like. We want more of a storyline. We want better voice acting. We want more from, from these characters that are already in the game. Um, and and every time they've put out uh, a DLC, it, you start seeing that and getting better and better and better. So early on, there's really not a lot of story to it. So we'll see how much of that not story you know. Right. So the, the game starts, you are resurrected. You are woken up. Yes. By a little flying robot, a little like a triangular looking uh, Your or, ghost. or a cube looking mm-hmm. uh, um, robot. Yeah, that's called a ghost. And that, that ghost revives you and says, hey, you've been dead for a really long time, so none of this is going to make sense. And then he begins to do your tutorial through the game. It shows you how to walk, shows you how to shoot, shows you how to look around, shows you what your enemies are, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the basic background of of the story that I understood is this. There is a sort of magical, sort of a god maybe, but also technologically based thing called the Traveler that once upon a time came to Earth and that helped um, humans achieve the next level of evolution. And they began to move across the stars and settle the whole galaxy. Yeah. And for some reason, the Traveler was destroyed or put into hibernation of some Outside sort or something. forces, yes. the darkness. Yeah, the, and it's, a, it's vague. That's all I heard about it is the darkness. I guess those are the bad guys because they're dark, right? Um, so, But the darkness, somehow there was a battle against the Traveler, and the Traveler is now broken. It still exists, but it's not functioning, and it's not helping us anymore. The only thing that is left of the Traveler are these ghosts, these little cube robots that help guardians. And that's what you are. You're a resurrected person who is now supposed to be a guardian for the light. Yeah. To uh, retake the Earth and the rest of the galaxy from the darkness. Well, there's, the Traveler's still there, but he can only protect uh, the, the, the city. It's the very one... small, right? It's very small what the Traveler can can protect now, so the guardians go out. And try to uh, like take the moon back, right? Because we gave, we're like, uh, sure, hive, you can have the moon. Like, if that makes you feel better, and leave us alone. Take the moon. Like, it's like, yeah, Hitler have Poland. Right? So, so this is a uh, so there was an appeasement then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, see, yeah. I didn't even know about the appeasement. So there was a time of a, of appeasement with the darkness, and now the darkness is is fully ascendant and and is sort of in charge, and you're having to to uh, step by step take it back. And not just you, but every one of the players around the world, are, they're also a guardian. Yeah. That is all, they're all working towards helping the traveler uh, take back <clears throat> from the darkness. And the way that that works is you get a ship, you get some weapons, and you come back and forth from your base, which is the citadel, maybe? Uh, the tower on Earth, yeah, the tower. tower. Okay. Uh, and so you, you go back and forth from the tower to these sort of outposts where you have missions. And largely your mission consists of go through here and kill a bunch of bad guys and maybe get a new item or find a key or unlock a thing. And then we'll go back to the tower again. Yes. 
So that's the story mode, basically. Pretty much for the story, yeah. And you play through, so you have Vanilla Destiny, right? And you'll play through the story mode of Vanilla Destiny. And then you have The Dark Below, which introduced um, the the second raid. Okay, so you have – there's a couple of game modes you can play, all right? Um, you can play PvP, which is going to be Crucible, and it's player versus player, and you're put in a, an arena, and you're just – it's all out. It's its like uh, the Doom Death matches from back yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's different – I mean, there's different modes you can you can pick. Um, then you have uh, bounties you can get, which is very small missions like, hey, pick this up, kill um, kill 30, min- 30 enemies without taking damage from them, right? Um, and then you have raids – which are pretty ridiculous. Um, they all technically take teamwork, um, and we have three raids now. You have uh, the Vault of Glass. Um, you've got the Karota raid, uh, and now you have the Oryx raid. And the the Oryx raid is the latest one. That's the one that was added with Taken King. Yeah, and they. Uh, so again, this is all. The team at Bungie are learning just like the players are. Um, so the first raid, Vault of Glass, beautifully done. It's a great raid. Uh, and you have to have a fire team with you. Like you have to have five to six players. I'm sure you could do it with four. Um, but you, you have to have that group of players working together to do a certain sequence to get past one phase and into the next phase. And then that phase has a whole other sequence that you have to learn and have a strategy for to get through that that phase. Well, Kuroda came out and there's a lot of cheese in Kuroda. What is cheese? Um, so cheese just means, uh, you know, like Swiss cheese has a lot of holes in it. So you right. just hop through the hole. Like you don't really have to do the the game as it was intended oh, okay. to do. Um, and um, the vault had a little cheese and they did a good job of, of – of, you know, redoing it and getting rid of that to where you actually have to play the game through. But the dynamic in Kuroda is is one to where they really couldn't fix it. Uh, so whenever the Oryx raid came out, they really wanted it to be team play heavy. Okay. Um, so it's not like it's hard to figure out what to do, um, but it is very hard to work as a team to accomplish those certain tasks. Fair enough, and and for and I know and, all that sounds very vague. No, but for people who who don't uh, have any concept of the game or they haven't watched anybody play this game or played it themselves, when you say like teamwork is required, it's not just that like hey the enemies are hard and we need several yeah, people no, to kill there's, them. Okay, so for uh, for here's an example. Um, in in orcs to beat Oryx, you're in uh, an isolated room. You're in you're in a, a single really room arena. Okay. And that room consists of four pillars in each corner. Okay. Um, whenever Oryx arrives, he's going to go to one of those pillars and he's going to smash his hand down on that pillar. And then an orb will appear and somebody has to hop on that orb um, and then somebody has to hop on that pillar. So if I hop on that pillar, it activates above me these ghost platforms that pop up. Now, the guy who grabbed the orb, our runner, has to start hopping on those ghost platforms to reach a relic, okay? 
I have to hop on my platform and then counterclockwise, each one of my teammates have to hop on their platform to create the ghost platforms in the air in the appropriate sequence for our runner to be able to get the relic. So this reminds me, and the very first time that you told me about this. And if this, somebody hops off, if somebody dies, if somebody jumps off, necessarily, you, yeah, that's a white. Um, this reminds me so much of uh, on the GameCube, there was, uh, and I've been a, a Nintendo video game player since I was a kid. I've owned every Nintendo system so far uh, other than I haven't owned all of their handhelds, but all their home systems I've owned. On the GameCube, there was a game, a Zelda game that you could only play really with um, Game Boy Advance uh, attached. So every all four of the players would have a Game Boy Advance, their little handheld system, and then you plugged a cable into that, you plugged it into the GameCube, and then you would control your character with the Game Boy Advance, but occasionally your character would jump down to your own little screen. You would mm-hmm. have a secret thing to do. Mm-hmm. And the the point mm-hmm. of that game was we were all links. Uh, we were different colored links. Right. But there would be puzzles that would require us to stand on different switches in different places of the level. There would be, uh, you know, you'd have to stand here and then somebody would have to climb on top of you to be able to climb on top of the rock or whatever to get the key that you had to get. It was a teamwork game. It was a very squad-based game. And that was, like... That was something interesting to add to the idea of the first-person shooter. Now, having done a little research since then, I understand that this is not new to first-person shooters. Like, there have been squad-based first-person shooters for a long time. The the, um, Rainbow Six. Or Army of Two. Yeah, Army of Two. Or even, like, Call of Duty. A lot of the Call of Duty missions, it's like, hey, I'm going to cover and you have to move forward and then we're going to go together and all of those things have to happen. So for people who have kept up with modern video gaming – I don't think this is that new or surprising. But for someone who has sort of lived out here on the fringes, this is all very compelling. The other thing about Destiny that was super compelling to me, and you mentioned this once already, it's the fact that they have a 10-year plan. Talk about that a little bit. So, like, first of all, is it true that this game cost $500 million or so to make? Like, that's the number that I've heard. Uh, no, about. that's what they got to. Uh, yeah, that was, the, that was the original number to create the game, yeah. And, and and the reason they're okay with spending that kind of money on a video game, they're not. They haven't made five hundred million on it yet, probably, or maybe that's all they've made on it yet. But the the plan is to continue to reap the benefits right. and profits from this for a whole decade. Right, and you, and you'll see. Um, so, yeah, I think the exciting part is where where is the game going to go? Mm. Um, so so for for example, other than. Uh, aesthetics, right? So you can have your own ship in, in space, and there's these different styles of, of jump ships you can get, right? What's the point of having them, right? What's the point of having different ships if 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 maybe in the future, in a couple of years down, those don't come into play somehow other than just being the graphic you see when you're floating in orbit or going to a mission. So you're saying potentially we get flying missions at some point. Yes. And and the different uh, ships would function differently. Yes. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And again, it's you can sort of see the possibility for that, the groundwork laid for that, just wasn't one of their priorities in, in year one or year two. Right. Like it's something to add long term. So this is the thing that sitting on the outside, this is the thing that says to me, hmm, this is something that I need to pay attention to and and – know something about just like we've talked about in the past you know you don't know you haven't seen the star wars movies but you know about star wars you haven't seen the james bond mm-hmm. movies but mm-hmm. you know about james bond 
I feel like I'm a guy who, even though I don't play video games, I know about video games. I read them. You know, I read about them. I sure. read um, uh, the the blogs and the articles and things you like that. You listen to the podcast. I listen to the podcast. Exactly. So I have a general idea of what's going on in the world. This seems like such a dense world and a dense mythology, even though there's not a lot of that mythology in the actual game. It's sort of built up around it, and it's on the website, and it's in the app. And well, the fun, like the fun things uh, – so what I really get a kick out of is is – Seeing when uh, the developers take mythology created by the players and put it in the game. So early on, if uh, if you were an early player, there was a, a loot cave. Okay? okay. And the way that the loot cave worked is you started it, then you got back away from it, and it's just a dark cave. And what happens is uh, ads keep popping up in the cave, and you just sat back and you just fired blindly into the cave, and it would drop – these engrams and it would drop equipment and things like that. And you would just sit there and you would do it for hours, right? Uh, well, now whenever you go to where the loot cave was, there's like uh, these bones on the ground that you can look at. And then you, if you examine them, your ghost will say something about it, right? So it's kind of an homage to that grind, to that to that cave that was there um, that, that becomes part of the game at that point. Right. And, and that was something completely created by – the players figuring out how to how to glitch uh, a part of the game, and um, it, it always happens. Whatever whatever new um, update happens, or whatever new DLC happens, um, whenever you have all these players trying to figure out the easiest way, best way, trying to figure out how to cheese uh, whatever's coming out, they do it pretty quickly. Um, so, for example, whenever the Taken King came out, I definitely took advantage of this, and I, I don't, I don't care. Um, Zer, the agent of nine, is a vendor that only comes once a week. Okay, and he sells a certain set of objects, and that changes every week. But with the Taken King, he had a, a new item that he he never sold before. It's never part of the game. It's called the Three of Coins. Okay. And the idea is you buy these three coins uh, as you're going into mission before you fight a, a named boss, right? Um, you consume one of those three of coins and then the um, the rate at which that boss would drop you an exotic uh, is – that percentage goes up. Uh, so this is a, a modifier so that as you're killing the big bad guys, they give you better stuff. Yes. Okay. And, and, and here's the deal. is a stack – Right, and there is a time limit on it. But uh, what you could do is you could go do uh, the certain mission that's got a ridiculous easy boss on it. Um, you would pop your three of coins. You would go to kill him, and right before he was dead, you would walk right up to him and you would shoot him with a rocket launcher. So he would die, and you would die. Okay. And then the game would put you right back outside of his door. And anything that he drops stays on the ground, so you're able to go back through and pick up if he dropped any engrams, any legendary, any uh, exotic uh, type of engram. You can pick it up, and then you can do it over again. Because he's there again. Because he's there again. Because so, you, had, you had failed, technically, because you had killed him, right. but, but you also died. So yes. you could keep popping these three of coins and doing this mission over and over and over. Um, I took advantage of it. I wasn't as bad as some people. I think I, I, think I got... 12 engrams, 12 legendary engrams for him. But, but my punishment was, and this is, this, is, this is what will drive people crazy in the game. My punishment was uh, 
six of those exotic engrams turned into the exact same secondary weapon for me. Nice. So it was completely useless. Um, so but what I what I think about this game is that here is and I mean you and you've already done this too. It's got its own lingo. It's got its own shorthand. Like and I think that will only become. More prominent. Yeah, learning five that. Years in, learning six that. Years in. So some of it, I think, is just from gaming in general. Yes, uh, and I think some of it is definitely Destiny specific. Um, For, well, first of all, you should know if you again, if you don't know anything about this game, every item it, they're not named with serial numbers and things like that, like the guns and the weapons. They're named and the, items, yeah. right? So and they're a recognizable name. There's something interesting to hear. And, and if you're using it, and like if you're using it, and you know, you have one of your fire team members next to it and they look at you, they can look they they can tell what gun you're using. Because it, it looks distinctive in the game. Yes. They're not all the guns are not built the same. What's the like there's a isn't there a new shotgun, the sleepy something exotic shotgun? Uh, well there it's not a shotgun. There's uh the sleeper simulant, which is supposed yes. to be the new Gallahorn. Uh, and that is a fusion rifle, which is generally a secondary weapon, but it's an exotic and it is a heavy weapon. Okay. So, like, this is the kind of thing that I pick up on Twitter because people are talking about this back and forth, and I don't know what they're talking about. And I go, well, it's probably Destiny. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what, I, what I'm concerned about as a guy who wants to be plugged into pop culture is I felt like I don't own any of these systems. I don't play first-person shooters. I, this is not something that I'm probably going to spend a massive amount of time in. But I don't want there to be this whole corner of pop culture over the next decade that I literally don't have any toe in, that I don't know anything about. I don't want to miss out on on pop culture in that way. And I think that likelihood or that possibility, that concern for people that are pop culture minded like me, is only going to get bigger as video games expand. You, you think about this as a 10-year plan. If this is at all successful, and it already has been successful, other companies are going to copy that strategy, don't you think? And we're going to have more games that sort of build their own world and, and well, I think go. Des- I think it's more. I think it's more of like Destiny's has copied other strategies, and is is changing them and modifying them to fit what their goal is. Um, like there has to constantly be income coming in to pay for the people who are designing the game. Yes. Right. So if you put out, um, for example, so. You know, back in the day, Halo 1, Halo 2 is made off of the profits from Halo 1. Yes. Right? So the idea with Destiny is if you buy vanilla Destiny, that's not going to carry you the 10 years. Right. Right? That's not going to make enough money if that's all if that's all everyone gets to, to carry them the 10 years for the goal. So the way that they're doing it is they're going to put out a couple of DLCs every year and they're going to charge for those DLCs. It's roughly 20 bucks is what it's kind of been. And people get so aggravated by that. And I don't understand it because if you're playing World of Warcraft, you're paying a fee every month. Whether you play it or not. Whether you play it or not. And that's how World of Warcraft has been able to continue to update and move things along, right? Because that's the model they've chosen. So it's it's kind of that model, but it's we're going to give you this content. Once you buy this content, you can play that content forever and ever. It'll never cost you anything else. To play that content, but if the new content comes out, you're going to have to pay for it. Well, and that, like that's appealing to me because I feel like 
you've got options to get off the merry-go-round too. You know, like you or take a break. Yeah, or take a break. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, I'm going to sit this year out. I'm not going to get any new content this year. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the year or the first of next year, they'll put out the game of the year pack with and all of the, the DLCs, content, right. and I'll get it all for forty bucks instead of twenty a piece. You know, and you get the season pass, which makes which you get all the downloaded content at a reduced rate. Yeah, so I think there's lots of options there, and all of that stuff makes it appealing. So I spent some time playing the game. I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I was very prepared for and very excited for and fulfilled, and then a couple of things that I was not prepared for and and not excited about and are now hurdles for me to play more. We'll start with the bad stuff. The biggest thing that I find is I am not used to dual analog stick first-person shooter movement. I just That's not a... That's not a, 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 a mindset that I play very much. That's not a an under. I don't have that language yet. And so, yeah, I played three hours the other day. Probably the first thirty or forty five minutes was largely just learning how to walk, <laughs> just how to look around and aim and walk. Yeah, once you put in a couple of hours, you get used to it, and then you start refining it and get get you get you you can find so you can change the sensitivity of that. Ah, oh, well, yeah, I didn't even think right. about that. That probably could have been helpful, too, because you guys are like fine-tuned machines over yeah, there. Yeah, so you can – you know, whenever I started out, I put it on one of the lowest sensitivities possible, even though it took me a while to turn or I couldn't, couldn't completely turn faster than, than other players were. It helped me learn that language. You sort of put on training wheels. Right. Uh, the second one, and this one you pointed out right away – the physics of the world, the physics of the in-game you world, learn yeah. very, very difficult to pick up on if you're not from that world. If you haven't played first-person shooters before, I'm sure they're very similar to Halo or Call of Duty or some of these other games as far as the actual physics of the game. But the recoil of the guns, for instance, yeah. is something that I totally didn't imagine. And not only didn't imagine, but even as I saw it in-game, it, it I still am not to the point where... I know how to Make compensate for that. Right. right, 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 right. I and and that's just a matter of learning. How far does this gun rise up? How far do you? Uh, how how much lower do you need to aim, or higher do you need to aim to compensate for? Or that? what the effective what the what the uh, effective range is? Like how far away can I be and still do effective damage? How close can I be? You'll learn those types of things. How bullets how bullets just move through space. Um, you you learn that. Uh, and the cool thing about Destiny is there's three different classes you can be you can be a warlock you can be a titan you can be a hunter and they all behave differently like a warlock jumps completely different than a titan really oh yeah oh yeah that's one of the hardest things whenever you're switching characters and learning to play the characters it's remembering how they jump and move through space that's one of the hardest because a a titan moves fairly slow compared to a hunter a hunter moves crazy quick i played a warlock didn't i yeah you played a warlock i thought so um and and the so, the, so those two are the big bad points. Those are the ones that I feel like are sort of stumbling blocks for me playing this game more or, or being able to really get into the world. The things that are very attractive to me and the things that were attractive to me even before I really learned about the game, I think the idea of the combination of the the full story mode that, that you can go through – but right there in that same world is player versus player. Right there in those same places. Well, like the other night, as I'm playing through the single story mode or the single player story mode, um, your wife, Rachel, was playing with me. She logged yeah, in yeah. on the other Xbox and, and we're playing together. She's running around helping protect me as I'm trying to figure out how to walk and shoot. You know, um, That's very compelling to me. The idea that you could play a cooperative game with your friends anytime, even as the, you work through the story mode. The idea that you could help less fortunate players along, I think is very compelling. Oh, everybody, uh, 
everyone at some point gets carried. That's just Everybody. the way that it works. <laughs> it's just you, people get carried at different levels. What's to get so <clears throat> so to get the raid gear right? So certain you'll get certain gear to drop doing certain things, right? So, for example, if you wanted a gun called the Black Hammer, which was a, a, an awesome sniper rifle. Um, that really only dropped if you did the Kuroto raid on normal. Okay. If you did anything else, you're not. That's not going to drop for you. It's not even going to be a possibility to drop for you. So you're constantly having to run that raid, hopefully to get that drop. Uh, and each raid has its own raid gear. It has its own its own raid helmet, chest, arms, legs, and it's higher level gear, right? And and that's to a point, that's how you get to a higher level is by putting on this gear, putting on these light levels um, that increase your effectiveness. So, and so if you're a low-level character and you have a group that can carry you through there, it's quicker and easier for you to level up, which means that your group will have a higher-level person for them now to be able to do something else. So it's advantageous for them to try to Sherpa characters through uh, a raid. Well, and, and even if... So even if you're the bonehead of the group, so to speak, as, for many of these things, we just need warm bodies, right? Like I just, I just need another fourth to yeah, jump yeah. on that pole over there. That's I need right. another. I need somebody else. So it's okay that you're a bit of a bonehead. Stay in the back of the pack. We'll and we're going to rush through here. Learn. I'm going to tell the you game, what to do. Learn right, this. Right. Learn this area, and then everybody will be able to do something. It took us. It's embarrassing to say how long it took us to complete my 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 core group to complete the. Uh, the new the new raid a long time though hours three weeks wow okay then that is wow okay my goodness all right so but it also it, i mean it's three weeks but it's it's yes. you know i have a job i have a right. full-time job so right. i can't do it all the time and getting everybody together like each night we could knock out a section and knock out a section and whenever you first get to it your team like you don't have a strategy you right? just got to wander through and, and figure you don't it out. know who's going to you don't know who's going to be best at what part of that strategy. So you run it a couple of times a certain way. You figure out what doesn't work. Maybe a couple of players will switch, uh, switch what their responsibilities are. And you keep moving forward and you keep fine tuning it to where we done orcs so much that we made we end up making one switch. We end up switching two players. That was it. And did it first run. The other big thing that is really compelling about this game, and this is something I didn't know from the outside, but now having played it a little bit, I and it's something I've even told Kelly, I said, I really, really like this. So we, we played about three hours the other night, Rachel and I did, while you were sort of watching and, and, and guiding me through. And about the first 30 or 45 minutes, I was doing nothing but wandering around. But once I sort of got my, my sea legs under me, we did, I think, in that three hours, like four or five missions, I think, four or five missions, six missions, mm-hmm. maybe even. Sure. And each one of those missions only really takes about 15 minutes or so, 15 or 20 minutes. Like they're very – it's bite-sized portions of the yeah. game. So and, even, it, and it gives you a point to where, okay, I've completed this. I can go do laundry. I can go do something else. Yes, yeah. yeah. So like as, as – all-encompassing as the game can be if you want it to be. Yeah. And and if you talk to anybody who's a Destiny player, hundreds of hours is not a, a crazy thing to have in this game. If you've only played hundreds of hours, you're pretty low. You're, in a, you're a new guy. <laughs> All right. But, but yeah, and at I the love same the, time... Uh, so, so technically, like, you have year one players, right? And that refers to everyone that played in year one. 
but you have people that were there from day, day one, <laughs> and then you have Christmas noobs who didn't get the game until Christmas. Right now, year two players, if you haven't played until year two, and you can tell by by their Grimora score how long they've really played, uh, Grimoire score, but it, if you're a year two player, it's, well, you're a kindergarten. <laughs> a kindergarten. That's sweet. <laughs> uh, I am, I, I don't think I'm even a, a kindergarten a kindergarten yet. Um, it, so I, I, in three hours, though, I was able to play four or five quite different takes on this yeah. game and and get a little bit more of the story as I went, learn more of the mechanics of the game, etc. And very quickly in that three hours, my character was significantly leveled up. Like I'm a lot my, – my weapons are a lot better. Like I could move faster. I could jump higher. Like lots of things changed. I got so a lot of new uh, special attacks and things like if that. If you're a seasoned player, you could probably take a level zero character all the way up to level 40 – and have a pretty decent light level in 10 hours. So a long weekend of playing, you'd have yeah, no problem. Yeah, a long weekend of playing, there. you would have no problem catching up with everybody else and 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 be able to get in a lot of other game modes with them. Yeah, so I think that and they're going to have to maintain that too throughout the 10 years. That's the thing because you want the uh, fan base and the user base to grow over time. Mm-hmm. So the idea that It doesn't matter that I wasn't there year one. It doesn't matter that I wasn't there year two. At any time, I can grab the latest copy of the disc, and I can load that up on my system. I can create my user profile and spend one long weekend focusing on it, and I can get far enough ahead that now I can play. You're on a playing field with everybody else. Yeah, from time to time with my buddies, from time to time with these people that I get. The the combination of that and the online, the the audio chat to coordinate your attacks and everything – with small kids in the house, I still don't see myself having time to put this into my repertoire yet. But like I imagine when the boys are teenagers, you know, they're going to be not, playing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Precisely. Like and I and I think this is very easily something that I could could find myself playing alongside them. So and So for your listeners who have played the game and they're sitting there going, "Oh, he hasn't talked about this or he didn't bring up A, B and C." It's it's massive and there's no way we we could we could literally do five of these podcasts and and not get through it all absolutely and in the show notes for this episode by the way if you do if you uh, have played destiny or if you find this very interesting and you want to know more about it i'm gonna have a link to it was a i thought it was a really good episode of a show that i enjoy reconcilable differences with merlin man and john syracuse merlin does not play this game he doesn't really play video games at all john syracuse is a big video gamer and he in particular loves destiny it's really the only thing that he plays right now um and they talk exhaustively. I think it's like an hour and 45 minutes. So, the, yeah, there's that podcast and you have Polygon's um, Quality Control who talks about uh, Destiny uh, and then Gamer Tag Radio, uh, Denny and those guys They've talk done about... a few episodes. Yeah, so there's there's a ton of information out there just in the podcast world if you want to reach out and snag it. Yeah, absolutely. But I'll, I'll also have some links uh, for the website. You can find more and even purchase copies of the game if you'd like. Um, I got to tell you, it's something that I'm going to come do from time to time at your house, though. Uh, you know, you would think that it's weird being uh, uh, someone in their mid-30s uh, playing video games, uh, but almost my whole group, because you find, first off, the people in, in you know my group of friends that I play with, I didn't know a single one of them till I started playing Destiny. And then you find these people that you click with, that you play with, that you want to continue to play with. Um, and and I, I want to see our 
age ranges from 28 all the way up to, to 50. Really? Uh, with the people, yeah, with the people that I play with, uh, and we're it's not like we're not a group of tryhards, right? We're a group of half funds. So if we have to do something over and over and over and over and over, just because we don't have the 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 physical and mental dexterity of a sixteen year old hopped up on sugar, <laughs> right? Uh, isn't gonna isn't gonna dissuade us from having a good time, and see that right there. That was my concern going into it. Is like I don't have the twitch reflexes anymore. Dude, the length, the, the terms that you learn, just so a squeaker. I didn't have a clue what a squeaker was, and I think this is. I think a squeaker is uh, global in the gaming world. Okay, but it's just a young kid. Really? Yeah. If you're playing with a squeaker, you're playing with a young kid. Is that because they talk a lot? Yeah, no, it's because they have a high pitched yeah. voice. Oh, they, they have a high pitched <laughs> voice. Nice, nice. I'm playing with a with a seven year old. Yeah, uh, the seven year old is nerfing me constantly, man. No, nerfing is when they screw up a weapon. Nerfing w- is when, yeah, nerfing when is they, when they lower a weapon with an, with right. an update of the game. And if they what's what is it called whenever they increase a weapon's abilities? I don't remember. They buff it. They buff it. There so it's go. a buff or a nerf. All right. There we go. More lingo can be found at the links in the show notes, uh, and uh, you can find out more about Destiny. Uh, if I get to a chance to play this again, maybe we get a long weekend together. I'm, we might revisit this at some point in the future, or um, maybe with the next update, uh, the next time they have an expansion or something, we might talk about it again. I just want to get you comp- competent enough to be able to play a raid, because the, like the Vault of Glass is is beautifully done yeah i would really enjoy that uh i think actually like especially playing with people i don't know necessarily like taking commands and and uh helping a team i think that would be very very satisfying uh thank you for spending some time with me mr shirley yeah man uh and uh we will be back very soon as a matter of fact next week uh, we've got a great episode of what makes me weird with shell hamilton a hypnotherapist and a meditation expert we're going to be talking to her about those two topics and uh, other things that go on in your brain that's all coming up right here on What Makes Me Weird. You can email us, makesmeweird at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Facebook and come back next week for another episode. Until then, I've been your host and uh, keep it weird. You got busted without a dime to your name. You took a bus ride with your mindset to fame. They had a tough time remembering your name. Well, we don't. No, we don't. Missed a big chance to be a Hollywood star But for most folks, that never was in the cards Well, you sailed, and you failed Well, at least you got to do it while you were young Before you get old and you lose your nerve So here's to you From the great Pelican State It's never too late to come back home So here's to you for doing what you gotta do We'll be waiting here with love in place From the great, the great pelican
What Makes Me Weird is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find more info and a full list of our episodes at blogtalkradio slash makesmeweird. You can also email the show to makesmeweird at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook or Twitter by searching Makes Me Weird. Our theme song is from the Great Pelican State by Adam Dale. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network. These fingers crossed, Paprika Burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my Paprika Burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well? Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco. With OneNet on Vodafone Business, you can make and receive landline calls from your mobile, meaning your office could be here. Or here. Or more likely, here. Hello, Saunders Designs. How can I help? Your office can be anywhere with our OneNet virtual landline. Available on our new and limited data plans. The future is exciting. Ready? Vodafone Business. Max download, upload speeds, apply to data. Coverage may vary. Unlimited and one net terms at Vodafone.co.uk slash terms.